2: He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to
1: the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we go over everything racing. Joining me in the studio tonight, I've got Seth Eggert and Richard Uden. How you guys doing?
2: Doing good. good, thank
1: you. All right, and uh, our other uh, compatriot, Gray Warren, May or may not be joining us later. He's uh, dealing with a couple of things, but hopefully uh, Gray will be on for the NASCAR segment in a little bit. So, uh, uh, First off, Seth, um, you've got some uh, great news on the personal front there. You've, uh, you've been writing for MotorStores Tribune for a few years. You're continuing on there, but you picked up uh, another, another job title. And that is with uh, Kicking the Tires, or is it KickingTheTires.net?
3: kickingthetires.net.
1: .net right you're a, you're a staff writer there you're going to be um covering some racing there as well as you're also going to be covering uh, esports for them so just i mean talk to us a little bit about this uh, new opportunity for you because uh i think it's great stuff any you know any time you have another outlet to kind of get your um get your thoughts and your words out there it's good stuff so uh just tell us a little bit about your new opportunity.
3: Well, it's exciting. Uh I'm going to be covering specifically the eSports for Kicking the Tires, as well as uh, the Cup Series Xfinity Truck, the normal NASCAR series. But the eSports, I'll be one of the first covering uh, iRacing and the uh, eNASCAR Heat Pro Leagues, uh, which iRacing, if you're listening to this podcast, iRacing is actually wrapping up their season tonight. Uh, Otherwise, the NASCAR Heat Pro League wrapping up next Wednesday. Uh, that being said, it's an exciting opportunity. It's interesting. My background actually is in eSports. Uh, my first writing opportunity was uh, covering the N-car series on iRacing way back in 2011 for iRacing News. So it's a little return to home as well. So it's something that I've always followed, I've always covered, and it's going to be an interesting experience.
1: Yeah, I mean, the eSports has really kind of grabbed a hold of a lot of the racing fan base as well as a lot of the racing drivers. There are so many guys that uh, in their off time, they, they get on these uh, e-racing or i-racing leagues to just kind of sharpen their skills, um, and it's really an interesting opportunity for uh, just normal, nor, you know, normal guys like you and I, where we can get on an i-racing and, and, and compete against uh, like a Sage Karim or uh, uh, somebody else like that who's uh, who's actually been in a car and driven it, so it's pretty neat.
3: I, I remember uh, 2015 uh, when I was just on i-racing, writing for i-racing, uh, I actually competed in the iRacing.com Indy 500, and I actually finished third to one Scott T. McLaughlin. Uh, not many people can say they've actually raced against a supercar driver, let alone cup drivers, Xfinity drivers, etc. I, I remember racing against Tomas Schechter, Tony Stewart, Bobby Labonte. The list goes on and on. I think I've even been in a session one time with Lewis Hamilton, uh, At least once, I I want to say it was an IndyCar at Road America, but that being said, it's it's going to be interesting, especially since, at least on the NASCAR Heat side, uh, all of the NASCAR teams from the Cup Series, plus Junior Motorsports, have teams represented. Meanwhile, on the iRacing side, you have a handful of Cup teams, you have Junior Motorsports, then... In the NASCAR iRacing series, you have Williams with a team. You have Richmond Raceway with a team. Pendant teams uh, such as uh, Klingerman, Burton, Esports. So you have a wide range of groups, both NASCAR-related and non-NASCAR-related, on the iRacing side.
1: Good stuff, Sam. You know, I wish you the best with kicking the tires. I know that's a. Uh, I've read their stuff quite a bit, and I'm 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 just uh, really pleased that you've been added to that team. You know, I know that you're. Uh, uh, you know, it's another another step towards your your goal of being a full-time journalist. Uh, so good stuff, good stuff. But let, let's talk about some of the the race news in the world of real cars and not uh, computer-generated ones. <laughs> Speaking of which, so so the IndyCar Series had their second test of the aero screen and one of the common themes that folks were you know your armchair engineers and facebook posters or whatnot are uh, kind of concerned about oh what's going to happen when it rains what are they going to do in the rain how are they going to see in the rain there's no windshield wipers well as it turned out the test at barber which featured ryan hunter ray and simon Pagano, um it was a rainy day so they got to test the thing in the rain which was uh You know, great, so they could really have some actual real world data rather than computer sims on what happens when we run this thing in the rain. According to the drivers, uh, specifically Simon Pagano, he mentioned that the visibility with the aero screen was actually better in the rain than without because the rain is not actually on your visor. Uh, the Aero screen, due to its kind of uh, aerodynamic shape, plus the fact that they've got tear-offs on there and is treated with like a Rain-X type product, uh, dissipates the rain very well. Uh, because the rain is not directly on his visor, the visibility was actually better, um, which is, which is, you know, so that so problem solved right there. Uh, the screen also has, uh, you know, ventilation ports and an anti-fogging system, so there was no fogging. Uh, no, no issues with running in the rain. So, which is good to know. because that should put one more uh, little kind of things that every uh, armchair engineer is saying, what are we going to do about this um, to rest? Uh, and always, you know, I, I like to torture myself by reading social media comments. And uh, one of the funniest ones I read was uh, after Simon had said how the visibility was better um, <laughs> with the screen. This guy actually posted, well, what's going to happen if the visor and the screen both get wet? Because I know the there probably won't be water in the cockpit when the cars are moving, but during a caution or a pit stop, it, water might get on the visor, which, uh, okay, so we kind of solved this problem decades ago because uh, the driver can simply pull a tear off, off of his visor if it's wet or... He can utilize his cloth glove to just wipe the water off his visor. So it's it's amazing to me how um, the, the drivers are all behind it. Ryan hunter Ray gave it high marks. Marks Simon gave it high marks. Um, the previous test with a uh, Dixon and um, Will Power they gave it high marks. But somehow the a, a percentage of the IndyCar fan base doesn't want it to work, and they keep coming up with reasons why it won't work the one of the funniest ones i read was a guy who says you know of course is, what happens when the car is upside down and this guy actually drew a diagram of the car and he drew a line from the nose of the car
2: was it the, in wax
1: crayon? no it was no it was photoshop he okay. he, he drew a line from the nose <laughs> from the nose of the car to the roll hoop of the car, put a ruler there drew a straight line. I said, "Okay, this is the car's upside down. This is the precious little room they have to get the guy out." Of course, the big problem with his logic is, you know all the weight of an Indy car is on the back. So if an Indy car is upside down, it's going to be the rear wing on the ground, not the front wing. Uh, you know, so it just it just blows my mind that that nobody wants this to work. But but in the end, as you look at these things, you'll get used to it. Uh, It actually looks pretty nice in road course trim, and and when they come out with the the new chassis in 2022, when it's going to be fully integrated uh, rather than bolted on, I think it's going to be fine. Uh, I mean, Will Power made the comment that after running, because him and Dixon ran about 600 miles at, uh, at Indy, and he said after running with it, he said he'd kind of feel naked running without it now. Which means if, if he's developed that level of comfort with this piece of equipment in, in, in one day, that yes, this is something we should move forward with. A um, few other tests are scheduled. New Garden's gonna um, I th- I think, uh, going to test it. I think Powers is going again. We're going to test at Richmond, I believe, uh, so to get the short oval. So uh, at the end of the day, everything so far is pretty positive with it. Uh, but the fans are, there are still a bulk of fans that are not behind it because the, the comic, what happens if it's upside down and the car's on fire? I'm like, I guess we just got to go ahead and take a car, flip it upside down, set it on fire and then have the safety team, get the guy out and say, "Ta-da! got that done. I don't know. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Richard, you've, uh, you've worked in the sport. Uh, you've been here when, uh, Different safety things have come and gone, and um, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts behind uh, IndyCar's solution to the driver's head protection? Are you?
0: Oh, uh, I mean, we we talked
1: we talked a little bit about about it last week, but um, you I'm know, all, all the it. I'm all
2: for it. Yeah, it's I think all the respect. issues
1: with the visibility and you know oil, dirt, and grime, and tear offs and whatnot. I think they have all been addressed
2: when it comes to something like this. You know the IndyCar, and and they, they work very closely with the FAA. The actual aero screen itself is being developed by Red Bull Technology over in the UK. Uh, so they they don't mess around with driver safety. You know they're not going to to do this uh, without any real understanding. And it, it infuriates me massively when you have these. Armchair experts turn around and say, Oh, what happens? You know, these guys, you know, they don't mess around. They're not. Imagine the liability uh, at IndyCar's door if they did design this thing and, you know, goodness me, there was an accident and the car caught fire and the car was upside down and the driver was unconscious and it was a Tuesday afternoon in the third month of the year. Some stupid scenarios like that. And the driver didn't survive. Then it'd be massive you know the culpability would be all on in, on IndyCar because you know they've developed this system and it, you know there'd be arguments that it cost the driver's life or whatever it may be. They're not going to take those risks. This thing will have been designed to the nth degree of accuracy and testing and precision. Certainly. So, and the other thing,
1: the other thing, Richard, is that folks are bringing up scenarios that are largely odd, right? When's the last time you saw an IndyCar just burst into flames? Exactly. You know, it's a fully exactly. it's a fully sealed cell. It, it carries less than 18 gallons of fuel. And, <laughs> and, and and at the same time, have you ever have you ever seen a car crash an Indy car race? And you see how fast that safety team is there? Oh. They're there within seconds, right? And, and there's yeah. onboard fire extinguishers on the car, and yep. these other guys have handheld fire extinguishers. So,
0: I mean, uh, we're I we're no. long
1: we're long past the days. Uh, of the 60s where drivers actually burn to death in cars Um,
2: Uh, you know what it may not be as elegant as you know a a Formula 1 car from the early 90s those beautiful sleek sort of no you know flicks and no little aero gimmicks and all this sort of stuff you know those cars were great and you know Indy cars were similar in that era as well but you know, it may not be as elegant as that it may not look as good as that but Jeez, get over it, guys. Come on. You know, I, it is infuriating that they, they seem to have this almost they, – they seem to have – because they're a fan of a sport, they have a God-given right to determine the safety of the competitors of the sport they watch. And it, it just it, – it, oh, we could do a whole show on this. We could do a whole show uh, on and, this, uh, yeah. one of know, the- I, I'd love to try and get some of these – Idiots want of a better word for my my way of looking at on this show and I would give them my opinion
1: yeah um, so so here's here's a funny thing I read today here's a funny thing I read today and it was a, a parody article do you guys ever read the lugnut no okay the lugnut is a it's, it's like the onion. But it's auto racing related, and it's just parody articles. And the, and the article says, uh, the headline is, uh, IndyCar thanks all the Facebook engineers for their input on the aero screen. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it just cracked me up. So, but, uh, but, 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 at, up? but at the end of the day, right, the four drivers that have actually driven with this thing on the car in different conditions all endorse it highly. No,
2: but, it and, matter, and, 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 but it doesn't matter. Because they're paid to say that.
1: Remember. Oh, that's sure you've yeah, seen those comments as well. That's the other conspiracy theory, yeah. That well, they're, uh, they're
2: bound to say that they're paid to say that they like it. I mean, it's not like, please. Yeah,
1: yeah. Will Willpower is a shill for the series. Yeah, this is the same guy who flipped off race control in New Hampshire.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Willpower. Uh, I mean, you you know, I tell you, I would love to play poker against Willpower because I would take him to the hat. You know, he he must be the world's worst poker player. That's hilarious. You know, because so, he's going to
1: tell it exactly as it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's no holes barred, you know. So, and he's he doesn't and he doesn't worry about. Uh, I mean, he rarely criticizes the team, which is smart. Of course, his team gives him good equipment week in and week yeah, out. But, exactly. but he
0: will. <laughs>
1: well, there you have it. You can get
0: lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: If, if he's unhappy with some of the series, he's not afraid to say it. He's really not. Uh, so if if Will Power endorses this thing, and and uh, you know you can uh, you can take that to the bank that uh, that driving this thing around Indianapolis for 600 miles as they did in testing. Uh, and he felt very comfortable in it. Um, th- there were no ventilation problems, uh, no vision problems. You could take that to the bank. Will, Will's not going to yeah. sell you a bill of goods. That's not true. Mm-mm. So,
2: he's no, right.
1: Yep. Uh, other IndyCar news. Marcus Erickson will be joining the Chip Ganassi team, uh, which is going to have uh, two Swedes plus Scott Dixon. Nice of Chip to uh, expand the three IndyCars. And this is directly related to to the disbanding of his IMSA team with the Ford, you know, program being over there. So it's really nice to know that all those crew members uh, and engineers that were employed with IMSA will have a place to go to work, uh, you know, come, come next season. So that, I mean, you know, that, that's a win-win. Now, Marcus is a funded driver. He's bringing some money to the team. So, I mean, there's no surprise there that, uh, you know, Chip, is, is going to jump on a funded driver. Hey, you know, there's the conspiracy theory that uh, Chip doesn't like American drivers. But, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, I think Marcus is a pretty skilled guy. I think he'll represent well, and uh, I'm glad to see him in the series for another year. Uh, I, I thought the whole having to sit out uh, one round of the IndyCar series uh, to uh, sit on the bench at at the One race at Spa um didn't make some folks happy, but at the end of the day, he's still employed by them, but I believe his contract with Alfa Romeo is over. And Marcus has enjoyed the series so much that he wants to stay. Um, opportunity with Chip is going to be a good opportunity. Um, him and Felix are great friends. They'll get along well. Uh, Felix has run well in the car. I mean, we've seen Chip Ganassi with, the, with uh, three cars before, four cars, and there's another little... Rumor on the table that that Chip may ex- actually expand to four cars uh, to get uh, uh, Felix Nasser in a car, um, just because he's got all those displaced crew members and engineers from his IMSA program. So that's good for the series, adding uh, at least one more entry and possibly <clears throat> two more entries to the series. So, and good on Marcus. Now, now Richard, you yeah, you know a little bit about Marcus, and and uh, the the book on him is. You know, hot and cold, but I think at the end of the day, he's a pretty good driver.
2: Oh, he's solid without that. Yeah, yeah. So he's, uh, you know, he, he's gonna, he's gonna do a, you know, a job for you, and he's it, very much in the same mold. I think maybe not with the experience level, especially in IndyCar yet, but you know, very, very much in the same mold as Scott Dixon. You know, you, you give him a job to do, he's gonna do it. You know, it's the whole sort of, you know, no bullshit sort of mentality, and uh, he, he'll do a job for you. So I think it's a pretty good. You know, appointment by them, and I think he'll uh, he'll certainly uh, bring home the uh, you know the results for them.
1: And I think it's a really good team when if you just look at those three guys, you know, Rosenqvist, uh, Erickson and Dixon. These are three no nonsense guys. Yeah. You know, and, and oh, Dixon, yeah. Dixon has so much experience. In the series, And he's, you know, he's the winningest guy in the history of, of the IRL slash IndyCar series. So, <laughs> you know, uh, driving, you know, with Dixon as your teammate, it's only going to make you better. I mean, just, oh, yeah. what, just what you'd learn from him by osmosis. Um, and Ganassi runs a pretty professional team. So uh, uh, good stuff there. I, I think it's a good thing. There's some folks, you know, they always have the, um, oh, why don't you hire Connor Daly? Uh, you know, but
2: you want to win the stuff.
1: Cause you want to I, you know I'm I'm entirely not sold on Connor Daly and this is very unpopular opinion. People love Connor Daly and I get it because he's a good dude. I mean I, I've met Connor Daly, I've enjoyed speaking with Connor Daly and uh, spending some time with Connor Daly. Uh, but at the at the end of the day, if you look at his results, the guy has one podium in 44 starts. Uh, the two seasons that he had a full-time ride which is he had a full-time ride with coin and a full-time ride with AJ Floyd. He finished 18th in the points both those years. And during both those seasons, there were 20 drivers that competed in every race. So uh, I know everybody, everybody thinks Connor deserves a full-time ride, but you know what? i I'd go with uh, Marcus Erickson and the $2 million he's bringing to the operation, uh, so I can't fault ship for that. So,
2: But he's not, you know, I mean, he'd, he'd still be a good pick, even if he wasn't bringing the $2 million. You know, I'd S- still pick him ahead of certainly, Canada, yeah, any, any day of the week. Uh, uh, you know, the, the guy is a talented driver, and, you know, he, he says something that you know about him that he stuck around in these smaller Formula 1 teams as long as he did, you know. It, it, it's quite hard to do that. Because the you know the turnover of those drivers is so high, especially in the smaller teams, that it was it said a lot about him that he you know he stuck around for as long as he did.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It, it's kind of like it's like the Rossi effect, right? Alexander Rossi hung around as a you know, test driver, development driver, occasionally getting a few starts here and there. Never had a chance to win. Picks up this IndyCar gig, and suddenly he's like, oh, okay. I can I can be competitive week in and week out and, and you know what this isn't that bad this no. is a pretty good deal and uh, and the other one what Rosenqvist had had made a an appeal uh, I believe it was either on Twitter or on his Instagram saying that, that some of his other Formula One buddies or Formula One um, hopefuls uh, should give the IndyCar series a try uh, based on his enjoyment of running the IndyCars. So uh, yeah, I, mean, I think it all bodes well for the series.
2: Yep. And you uh, know, it goes both ways as well, you know. And a lot of people see that, you know, the Formula One drivers or, you know, European single-seat guys that go over to IndyCar, you know, that's the end of their city, their career in terms of Form One. But you look at what um, Pedro Award's doing with the Red Bull backing now. You know, these guys take note, no matter what people want to think or what people will sort of speculate against they really do and if you're against the old thing if you're good enough you'll get spotted um so you know i know padua awards sort of out of the limelight a little bit now and it's a shame that you're not seeing him week in week out in the indycar series um but he's over there in the super formula in japan learning his trade and uh, slowly starting to sort of check off the boxes that red bull have asked him to achieve
1: Certainly. And a war is a really talented guy. So, I mean, whether his career expands in Europe, you know, and he gets added to the Formula One team at Red Bull sometime in the future, or he comes back to IndyCar and and gets a great ride there. uh, The guy's got some talent. So. So there's that. Uh, So speaking of which. NASCAR had an actual race this weekend. IndyCar season been over, and here we are talking about IndyCar for the first half of the show. So, <laughs> Seth, um, young, young Kyle Larson uh, took uh, his first win in two years, which I it, it kind of blew my mind that it's been two years since he took a win. Um, and it's so funny because I every time I think of Kyle Larson now, I always remember the quote from the fine guest we had a few weeks ago, Willie T. Ribs, who said... <laughs> No one's ever going to confuse Kyle Larson with Nipsey Russell. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the quote of the year. So, <sighs> but uh, <laughs> but let's talk about Kyle Larson and let's talk about Denny Hamlin, who really, really was the the star of the day, and and I think, believe he really had the best car all day. So, Seth, take us through Dover a little bit.
3: Well, it was all about track position. It was just tough to pass, no matter where you were, no matter what position you were in. Uh, Hamlin started on the pole. He led 218 laps. Kyle Larson uh, got out in front uh, on the final uh, caution pit stop. That was at the end of stage two, and he never looked back. He led the rest of the race uh, aside from around the green flag pit stops and went on to win. It was as simple as that. Uh, at the same time, it uh, not only was it hard to pass because of the aero package, but one Joey Logano also made it difficult to pass. Uh, he had an axle issue just before the green flag, went multiple laps down, came back on track, was racing hard, as hard as he could, uh, and probably upset Denny Hamlin uh, quite a bit in the process.
1: Well, except he, except for the probably part.
3: Yeah, he, he definitely
1: yeah. upset Denny Hamlin.
3: Well, he would get out of the way of most of the uh, competitors. Uh, for whatever reason, either he didn't get it out of the way fast enough for Hamlin's liking or just didn't get it out of the way, period. Uh, that being said, it was just a rough day for Lugano. It was a rough day for Brian Blaney, who lost his brakes slate. It was a rough day for Chase Elliott, who blew his engine on lap seven.
1: So, now, if we think about this, Seth, right? So, Demi Hamlin is pretty upset with Logano because he's lapsed down and trying to maintain position. At the end of the day, he's in the chase. You know, Logano's in the chase. Every every point counts for him because he's, you know, getting this far behind uh, with the with, uh, next race being an elimination race.
3: That's uh, they get on an elimination. Huh? it's not an elimination. Uh, Kansas is the elimination in two weeks.
1: Okay, well the elimination is coming up, but but either way, I mean every point counts, and if you can get yourself, you know, two spots above that cut line rather than below the cut line, it, it, it works better for you. So uh, there's a couple of different schools of thought. He's like, you're you're several laps down, just get out of the damn way. Well, Joey Logano says, I'm trying to salvage every point I can get because I've got as much. It, at stake in this as you do. So, I mean, what are your thoughts, Seth? Would well, you, you think you think you should just get out of the way? No. Y- yield, uh, to, I, yield to a guy I, who 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 you may be competing for the championship with.
3: For me, every point counts. Uh, if you're on track, you're racing. Whether you're running, whether you have somebody on the same lap as you or not, you're racing. uh Logano never really had anyone on the same lap as him. However he was able to gain uh, four spots on track. What did those four spots mean? Two points. Right now he is tied for the last position in the playoffs uh, for the round of eight. Right now he's on the outside looking in simply on a tiebreaker, and that tiebreaker is best finish. So if he didn't uh, run as hard as he did, he would not have gained those two points. And right now he'd be on the outside looking in by two points instead of being tied.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So Joey Logano has every right to fight for his position on the track. Now, Richard, what are your thoughts on this as a racing purist that I know you are?
2: you got to go for it, haven't you? You know, you, you've got to, and, and the rules dictate in NASCAR that, you know, you, you, you don't have to, you know, there's no blue flags like you get in Formula One or other racing series. So, Go for it. I mean, you turning around, turning around to uh, you know, Denny Hamlin, and saying if the boot, you know, if the wheel was in the other foot or whatever, you you wouldn't have done the same thing. Of course, you would. It's yeah. No, you've got to go for it and uh, put yourself out there.
1: All right. So let's talk about some of our championship favorites. It seems like Kyle Busch has been a little quiet since the playoff season. What do you think, Seth?
3: Well. I've actually been looking back through some of his uh, stats going back to 2015. Uh, Going back to that point, uh, except for 2015 itself, when he was on a tear, he would have about a six-month period of going off on win after win after win. And then crickets. Matching that up, when he came back in 2015 – Uh, from his injury that six month period went all the way to homestead then he won for about six months in 2016 uh, fell off the face of the earth repeated that in 2017 2018 and it looks like he's repeating that right now it's almost like once he gets to about sonoma or daytona mid-year the winds are few and far between and in his history, he only has two wins in the playoffs. Both of those wins came in 2015.
1: Yeah, because there, there were a couple seasons I can recall where he was the dominant car all year long and just faltered in the playoffs or the chase. Uh, it was a chase back then. So it's kind of funny for me how Kyle Bush is not really putting his stamp on this, on this uh, playoff. Uh, True X has been hot. Um, you know, L- Larson, been
3: hard, uh, Larson
1: won a race. Uh has uh,
3: been running well. harvard has been running well.
1: Yeah, other guys that seem to have like kind of dropped off the radar. Keselowski, he just kind of been midfield since early season. You know, a top upper upper midfield. But uh, I I'd love to see like Brad come alive here. But gosh, since his 2012 championship, he, he's really faltered in this chase format since they've uh, brought it up.
3: Well, this format has favored first-time champions. Uh, Out of these five champions in this uh, current elimination format, four of them have been first-time champions, and we have not had a repeat champion since this format debuted. Yes, Jimmy Johnson won 2016, but he only won one championship in this current format. So we have had a different championship winner ever since 2014. And the rate it's going, though, look it has. The only driver who might be able to become a repeat champion, or at least the first one in this elimination-style format, might be Truex.
1: Yeah, Truex is still running well, yeah. Uh, Kyle Busch is still right there near the top of the points there, despite not you know, crushing the field like he's been known to do sometimes. But, but some of these other guys, you'd expect them to come alive. Uh, but at the end of the day, I still think, and I said it said at the start of the playoffs, that this is Denny Hamlin's best chance to win the whole thing.
3: I, I agreed with you then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with you now to a certain point. However, with the runs that Larson has been putting together lately, Bowman has been putting together lately, except Richmond, that uh, and Chase Elliott, except this past weekend. I wouldn't be surprised to see the final four be Larson, Hamlin, Bowman, and Chase Elliott. And what I'm going to point that out right now, what I'm saying, would be that the four championship contenders from last year would not make the playoffs. I had made that bold prediction way back earlier this year, and it's still possible right now.
1: It still is, yeah. It's kind of funny you mentioned that because I was going through listening to our bold predictions uh, from the end of the year last year uh, in preparation for our year-end show because uh, we're going to bring back all of our bold predictions. So I won't spoil that till the year-end show. Uh, but Seth, the um, the Xfinity series was also in action, and we had uh, some eliminations there. Correct. Yeah.
3: Yes, uh, Brendan Jones was eliminated on lap two, and that's in involving his teammate Brandon, or, sorry, uh, Harrison Burton, and uh, Noah Gregson was also involved. Uh, Christopher Bell had a carburetor issue, uh, although he had won previously, so he was already locked into the next round of the playoffs. Uh, also eliminated was Ryan Sieg, who just never really got going that family uh own team that family run team they're just underfunded compared to the uh, other drivers in this playoff grid Uh, Justin Haley had mechanical issue after mechanical issue just never really got up to speed and John Hunter Nemechek just had an unlucky race at uh, the Roval got wrecked late he had a mechanical issue over at Richmond so for him it was just bad luck in general
1: so we are down to eight guys left in Xfinity?
3: Correct. Christopher Bell, Cole Custer, and Tyler Reddick, the quote-unquote big three of the Xfinity series. Then you have Cindric, Allgaier, Briscoe, Michael Annette, and Noah Gregson.
1: All right, and, and where is Xfinity? Xfinity is also at Talladega next?
3: They are off this weekend. The truck series are back in action at Talladega.
1: Okay, and the truck series. Where are we in the truck series playoffs?
3: We are starting the round of six.
1: Okay, and who are the six left?
3: The six that are left. Uh, the six that are left are Brett Moffat, Austin Hill, Ross Chastain, Stuart Friesen, Matt Crafton, and Tyler Ankrum. Uh, the last time the trucks were in action was Vegas and there were numerous engine issues. Uh, Ilmore Engines, the manufacturer of the spec engine, came out and said it was a heating issue, or weather condition issue, essentially. Uh, and as a result, Thor Sport Racing petitioned NASCAR to have their two trucks that were eliminated, Giant uh, Solar and Grant Enfinger, be reinstated since it was not, in, within their control, it was the manufacturer of the spec engines. Uh, NASCAR denied that request. Uh,
1: That's kind of surprising to me because Ilmore has been manufacturing some fine race engines for years and years and years. As a matter of fact, they, uh, uh, Il- Ilmore is behind the uh, Chevy Indy engine. Uh, well, so, I mean, are they just are these engine issues for real, or or are the team's... And Richard, you might be able to speak to this. Are the teams making any modifications to the spec edges, or are they just totally off 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 guard? I'm just I'm just wondering where the real problem exists.
2: I mean, I think that I, I think the, the the real problem probably does exist uh, with the engine there. How and it's very difficult. I mean. Um, obviously, the the way that the truck engines are calibrated compared to the Cup Series engine, because the Cup engine has the full electronic ECU controller, whereas uh, the... The, um, the
3: trucks have an ECU uh, because it's a spec engine. Okay, if
2: I thought running, they used to just run off the curb. Uh
3: If, it's a, if you're, the team is running a spec engine, they have an ECU. Uh, if yep. they're running a built motor, uh, OEM motor, they are running without an ECU, but with some sort of, like, modifier to make the playing field level. Sure, I'm with
2: you. I'm with you. Okay, so, I mean, yeah, it's a difficult one there, really, if that's the case. I mean, you'd like to think that Ilmore, with the experience they have, would know what they're doing. I mean, hey, guys, it's Vegas. You know what? It gets pretty hot out there. Um, (laughs) Last time I checked the weather anyway. Uh, So, yeah, it's... uh, hmm. It depends how much there was in it. I mean, and also, I know there's been a little bit of a controversy regarding the spec engine, so maybe NASCAR are just trying to save face at the expense of some other teams, unfortunately.
1: Seth, so your rebuttal?
2: Well,
3: honestly, there, the one rebuttal that I have is the fact that Door Sport Racing, this is the one that uh, petitioned NASCAR to have their two trucks reinstated. They are the team that has had issues with the Ilmore engine dating back to its debut last year. Consistently that team has had an issue with at least one of their four trucks since the debut in almost every single race weekend. It doesn't it's not necessarily the race itself. Sometimes it's practice, sometimes it's qualifying. That being said, there were 19 trucks that had some sort of engine issue this past uh, truck race in Vegas. 19. Mm, that's high. That's hard to put the blame on the teams themselves. Granted, the one team that had the most issues was Door Sport itself. They had 3 of their 4 having issues. However, I can't put the blame on one party, whether it's Elmore or whether it's the teams, because it's almost too strange to be true for all of that to happen all at once without at least some of the teams playing games of some sort. But at the same time, I don't imagine that many teams playing that many games in the same way, shape, and form to have the same issue across the board.
1: Yeah, you just got to wonder if there's. Uh, you know, kind of a combination of the two. Thor Sport is maybe fiddling a little bit with the engine, but at the same time, the engine has a little inconsistencies here and there uh, or, or some, you know, or some issues. Uh, so either way, I, I hope that uh, they can kind of uh, get to uh, a conclusion of this uh, because this asking for reinstatement after being eliminated from the playoffs is just, it looks like, a manipulated championship it really does uh when, when you're going to blame engine manufacturers so well, we have a spec engine the engine was bad so put us back in the chases it, it almost reminds me of that nonsense um in the in the cup series where we where we added uh extra cars to the uh to the chase field uh, namely jeff gordon because other teams were trying to uh quote unquote manipulate the chase uh, i'd rather see i know that uh the chase itself Um, Kind of, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Spits in the face of purity in racing. Uh, But for us to blame any manufacturer at the end of the day, it doesn't make it look any better.
3: Agreed. Now, that being said, uh, we are going to Talladega with the truck series. There's 32 entries uh, for 32 truck field. There's forty entries for a forty car field in the cup series uh It's the first time that they're going there with the newly revamped uh infield. They rebuilt a bunch of fan amenities, the garage area, so that should be interesting to see uh There's some new faces or faces we don't see very often at least for the cup series. Brendan Gaughan is back in the uh, Beard Oil car. You have Joey Gase in the 66. Parker Klingerman is back in the Gaunt Brothers car. Uh, You have Blake Jones uh, returning in the Spire Motorsports car. The last time he ran was with BK Racing before it essentially imploded last year. Uh, You have Reed Sorensen in the 27. Over on the Truck Series side, we have... 32 trucks. Like I said, we have the return of Riley Herbst in the 51. Uh, we have John Hunter name making a rare truck start this weekend. Uh, several interesting names that don't run a full season. And with, at least for the truck series, it's no longer a plate track. It's a tapered spacer track, just like the cup series. It should be an interesting race. Nonetheless, uh, what happens? It's usually a pretty crazy race. Richard, uh, what do you think of the truck series for Talladega this, uh, coming weekend?
2: Well, as you said, it's getting into the playoffs with those guys. And, uh, you know, these plate trucks always get a little bit crazy with the trucks, don't they? Um, it's going to be entertaining. Sometimes the plate races, these, uh, uh you know the, the trucks in the Xfinity are are often more enjoyable and interesting and dramatic than the um the actual cup race itself uh you know they, they sort of, you know some of these kids are uh you know going a little bit gung ho and have got nothing to lose almost so they uh they push it to the limits and uh you know make a bit of a mess of it so uh it could be an entertaining one and it'll be interesting to see uh you know the engine performance and what uh what ilmo bring to that event because i'm sure it's going to be scrutinised quite tightly
3: i believe it will be as well uh over under on for both series if a non-playoff driver wins this weekend
2: again and that's the thing anything's possible isn't it out there um you know you 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 could have i mean that's a great thing about play racing in a way you can throw any name in the hat can't you as a potential winner but you know, you'd look at the guys if you are picking an new you know, an unexpected, you know, winner. You'd look at the, you know, the guys that do tend to run well on the plate tracks. You know, the Ricky Stenhouses and Paul Menards and guys like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, Talladega is always a crapshoot. I mean, you could have, you know, a big one take out half the damn field, and yeah. and, and see who's left. So, so who are the,
2: who are the who are the big names? That are obviously only still got Kansas the following weekend, but um, you know who, who are the big names that one would be wanting to avoid? A, you know, a, the big one um, at Talladega this weekend. Well, wh- one that comes to survive.
3: one that comes to mind are just wanting to survive Chase Elliott, Logano, yeah. especially Ryan Blaney. Uh, twenty-two points back, he either he would want to just hang back and survive or he would want to be ahead of everything winning both stages to catch back up.
1: Yeah. Right. Isn't Clinton Boyer kind of close to the cut line too?
3: He is close to the cut line. I believe he is six points back right now, which it's not ideal, but it's manageable.
1: Yeah, but you know, Talladega again, crapshoot. So could take that manageability factor out of there. If he, if he gets swept up in somebody else's mess. Agreed. All right, so who do we like for Talladega to win? Because, again, this this is a hard one to pick. I mean, the two hardest races to pick are, are Martinsville and Talladega. And then, of course, uh, sometimes the road course races. So, uh, you know, as I look at this thing and, and see, I always want to go back to Keselowski with Talladega because that guy has really put on some great shows at Talladega uh, in the past. Um, and, again, I had mentioned him earlier that he's kind of – dropped off the playoff radar radar maybe this is his chance to kind of jump back in the game here um so I'm gonna go with Brad
3: Uh, assuming that Chevrolet is able to pull off what they did at Talladega and Daytona earlier this year uh, especially since they outnumbered the other two manufacturers uh, I'm gonna go with Chase Elliott sweeping Talladega Mm -hmm. just because they have the numbers to be able to control the field if they all work together.
1: That's a big if. Now, Richard, what do you think?
2: Richard? Um, oh, sorry. Uh, um, yo. It could be anybody, couldn't it? Um, let's, go with... let's go with Denny Hamlin. To the Tigers. yeah yeah De-
1: yeah, Denny's another together. good plate, plate racer too, yeah, so and I, I, I really think that you despite not winning a race in the chase, i I still think that Denny is a solid candidate for getting oh. to that final four so yeah. all right, so now Seth, you spent your weekend at the late model race at Martinsville, which is uh, another different animal. Uh, you know, we're talking about Talladega and go to Martinsville. Uh, so, uh, uh, share with us some of your experiences from uh, from the big late-round model, model race. Now, that was a big race with a ton of entries, was it not? Yes,
3: uh, 68 entries for a 40-car field. It, it was a very interesting uh, format. It's the first time they've run this format in the 25 years. Uh, top 20 was locked in on qualifying. The following 24... Uh, were split into two different races. or Sorry, the following 48 were split into two different races, 24 each, in which the top 10 advanced to the feature. Uh, no inversion to it was broken up into three stages. Josh Berry qualified on the pole with a new track record, and he just left the field in the dust. Every restart, he was able to get out front, And just pull away. Uh, He technically led all but one lap. But the way it's uh, ruled in late model racing, because most tracks don't have timing and scoring the way Martinsville does, it reverts to the previous lap. So since he uh, was the leader on the restart, he is credited with leading that lap. So he led every single lap which was a $7,000 bonus. Cool. He got a $25 bonus for every lap he led. He got the bonus for winning the pole. He got two $1,000 bonuses for winning the stages. So he walked away with $44,000.
1: Which is a nice sum for late model race.
3: Yes, it is. And then we had Lee Pulliam finishing second, winning the Virginia Triple Crown which is a set of three late model races, one at South Boston, the Hampton Heat 400 at, I believe, Langley, and the Valley Star 300 at Martinsville, the driver with the best average finish among the three, wins. He had an average finish of 3.3. Second place uh, in that championship, uh, Peyton Sellers had an average finish of
1: 3.67. Ooh. Wow, that's close. Seth, you know what I really enjoy about late model racing? Why? Be- because it's still it's grassroots at its best, uh, but at the same time you've got a combination of guys in the field who are 40 and over 40 who've been racing their whole lives and have kind of settled into this late model thing, going against a bunch of really young guys who are trying to get their career off to a jump start uh, with dreams of the future and and just to see these and you see this a lot in um dirt racing as well. We get the combination of the older guys that have been there forever and and the young guys. So I just think it's pretty neat. So um what drivers did you have um the pleasure of kind of interacting with and interviewing with? I know you were there on a on a media credential for the weekend.
3: Well, Josh Berry uh, pretty straightforward not only because he won the race and won the poll, but uh he, He's actually a junior motorsports driver, and that's the junior motorsports late model team. So it's not often you have some of these big teams run in late model divisions. Junior motorsports, David Gilliland's team, and Kyle Busch motorsports are three of the major ones that do run in late models, along with GMS Racing. Uh, Bubba Pollard, who was making his junior motorsports debut, and he is a veteran super late model uh, driver. These were late model stocks, slightly different configuration, but he joined up with Junior Motorsports because they have the knowledge and they are the kings of late model stock racing. Uh, Taylor Gray, a 14-year-old who barrel rolled down the backstretch at Martinsville of all places. Never thought I'd ever see that happen. Um, Timothy Peters uh, from the Truck Series, Peyton Sellers, Uh, The list goes on and on. There were drivers that I grew up watching in the truck series that were racing there uh, and drivers who I'm pretty sure I may have gone to school with at some point racing there. So you had a wide range of competitors, not only in experience, but in age wise.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why watching that stuff is so neat. And you know, you know, late model racing just does not get the exposure that the you know the higher levels does. So uh, I'm glad you had a chance to go and cover that. I'm glad you had a great time. Uh, You know, sounds like it was a really fun uh, event. You know, Martins Martinsville never fails to disappoint. You know, I mean, for for nothing else to get one of them hot dogs.
3: It, yeah, I actually tried there. <laughs> I actually tried one of the Martinsville hot dogs this past weekend. Uh, just to say that I have tried it. It's um, good stuff. It 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 was good, not my cup of tea, but it was good.
1: All right. All right. So uh now Richard, we've got a few minutes left in the show. Let's talk about Formula 1. So we're on to Japan and yep. there's some concerns Weather concerns with a typhoon possibly coming into the area. Uh, I, what are you? I, I know you're a, a racing analyst and not a weatherman, but
2: uh,
1: <laughs> what, what are your what are your concerns that, that that we could possibly have this entire event canceled?
2: I mean, you know, as we all know, when when these uh, when it rains, it, it rains out there pretty pretty heavy. Uh, you know, we look back to you know. You, 94, that classic race between Damon Hill and Michael Schumacher in the rain and uh, some of the other races they've had out there. Um, and, of course, most recently, I guess, the uh, scenario that led to the tragic death of Jewel Bianchi. Um, right, oh, gosh, in
1: 1976.
2: Well, yeah, the Fuji. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, James Hunt and Nicky Lauda. Hunt and so, loud, yeah. So,
1: Mario Andretti won that race.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it can it can really come down out there. And obviously, as I say, with the recent events out there, um, you know, they're probably going to be a little bit cautious when it comes to uh, the racing now. Hopefully the race will go ahead. Uh, it's, it's one of the true great circuits left in in Formula One. Um, you know, the, the only track, um, a figure of eight layout with a bridge and the crossover and the like. So, um you know, it's always good fun to go there and see that, but it, it's a real driver's circuit. And you look at the S's and the Spoon Curve and 130R. You know, they all they're all iconic corners in the Formula One world. So we're, you know, we hope we do get to see it there. And I don't think anybody would be too disappointed if we had some rain, uh, just not maybe as much as we forecast. You know, we like to see these guys. Yeah, I mean, it's, some rain
1: is fine. Torrential rain is horrible
2: yeah exactly yeah you know, we've
1: we've seen a couple of events in Japan and in Australia too, where where just the rain was just so prohibitive, but we've run the race anyway but but I yeah. want to say like, I mean like like in this day and age when we're a little more concerned about safety and a little less concerned about you know TV blocks that have been bought,
2: yeah that,
1: that if it's really bad, we may put this thing off.
2: And, it'll you know, be a test of the new FII race director who, who took over, you know, his name just escaped me briefly, but, you know, took over from after Charlie Whiting's tragic uh, passing earlier in the year. So, you know, that'll be a, a test for him to see how he can, uh, you know, manage that situation. But uh, I'm sure they're all pretty well prepared for it. Um, you know, the teams obviously will be and the drivers will be and they've just got to go out there and do their job. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, w- when these when the weather gets that bad, out in that part of the world um you know motor racing really is pretty is secondary uh when it comes to the the, the the general population events so uh you know motor racing needs to take a you know a bit of a back seat this weekend and we hope everybody gets uh you know through the weekend uh, you know safely
1: yeah so let's let's uh let's assume the best scenario that we get the race in with just a little light rain um what are we looking at who do you who do you like for Suzuki? Do you feel well,
2: like- Mercedes Mercedes say they're bringing some small changes up, more I guess proof of concept for 2020 uh, work rather than uh, any real you know performance gains looking for this year. Uh, but again, you know you, you you certainly can't look past Ferrari again. Uh, you know Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel will be uh, will be certainly pushing to make amends for what happened in Sochi you know ten days ago, which. Um, you know, I wouldn't say they had a victory taken away from them, but certainly their reliability and uh, and the like, on from Sebastian Vettel's point of view, had a you know a pretty detrimental knock-on effect on Charles Leclerc's race. So they'll they'll probably look to step you know to, to come back from there and uh, try and take some of that mem- momentum from the end of the season through into 2020. So I would expect you to see the Ferraris be pretty strong again this weekend. So
1: if we do have a rainy race. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who, who do you believe, like, the best guy on the grid right now in the rain is? Because we, I mean, we've had years before where people have been called the rainmeister, you know. Uh, Schumacher. Yeah. Schumacher was always great in the rain. Senna was great in the rain. Um Of yeah. uh, the current guys, uh, we haven't seen as many rainy races as, as we used to no. see. And I don't know why. But, um, you know, other than, you know, Spa occasionally gets the rain and half the track but uh yeah. if, you, if if it if it would, if it turned out to be a pretty wet race right is there is there some kind of dark horse guy out there that you would think would really kind of come to the forefront because you know, we all know that the rain will kind of oh minimize the um advantage yeah, advantage of enough. a car it'll and and really put it back in the driver's hands so yeah, i mean is Hamilton
2: a good rain guy? Harry I mean, Hamilton's a fantastic driver in no matter what weather conditions. Certainly, I think you'd, certainly. You'd probably look at Max Verstappen being there or thereabouts, maybe. Um, you know, his performances in uh, at Hockenham this year in Germany in the rain were, were pretty outstanding, including his spin uh, that he had and still went on to win the race. Um, yeah, Kimmy's pretty good in the wet, I think. Um you know he can. You know he's just a natural talent there that uh, you know you'd put. But you know Hamilton's good in whatever, whatever weather. Um, so I don't. You know, there's there's no outstanding driver who's gonna you know normally be running fifteenth and suddenly you know break into the top three or four based on the fact he's driving in the wet. So uh, yeah. Um, as so say, long,
1: he, go, long gone. Long are the are the days when uh like Senna and a Tolman could be.
2: Oh, for sure. For running sure. down, I mean, running you know, down pros to Monaco, did, yeah, you did have uh, you did have Danny Kvyat, you know, get on the podium at um, at Hockenheim in the rain this year, which was you know probably pretty unexpected. Um, so you know you could see the odd change, you know, odd fluke result, but I don't think you're going to see a, a fluke winner. I think the winner will still come from the big three teams. Um, who it is, who knows? But. Uh, it certainly would open up a, a little bit of a lottery, and it would be good to see if it did happen.
1: All right, so let's. Uh, we've just got a few minutes left, so let's make some picks for Suzuka. Hopefully, we'll have a race. So, uh, uh, Seth, who do you like for Suzuka?
3: Lewis Hamilton.
1: All right, well, you can't go wrong with that. And well, You uh, can
2: if he doesn't win.
1: Okay, yeah, but uh, i <laughs>
0: yeah, here's a guy who's
1: knocking on Schum- Schumacher's record,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: so oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's a safe bet. Um,
2: Richard, what do you think? Put uh, up Leclerc.
1: Yeah, Leclerc's definitely hot. So that leaves me. Um, well, I'll go with um, I'll go with Valtteri Bottas. I mean, here's a guy who's uh, had some shade thrown on him recently. Uh, but I I, th- I think he's a solid guy, um, and and maybe he takes one home. So that being said, we've got got about two minutes left, so uh, we'll just go around with uh, final thoughts for the night since we have all our picks out of the way. So Seth, talk well, to, talk to me.
3: Well, Austin Dillon tested the next gen car for the Cup Series. Oh yes, Richmond. yes,
1: we forgot to get to this. Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, it
3: had eighteen inch rims, aluminum rims, Uh, right now it has a five lug nut system, although the aluminum from what I've been told uh, will not be able to handle the stress of five lug nuts for an entire race and will likely be switched to either a three or a one lug nut system and hub. Uh, It had a diffuser, which I thought was interesting. Otherwise, the paint scheme was wrapped in such a way that you could not make most things out. It was hard to tell whether or not it had a decklade or if it did, how long of or large of a decklade it had. And it looks interesting, but I also noticed it was unbranded, so I don't know if it was a Chevrolet or if it was a built uh, composite body by the Lara.
1: So we don't even know if this is a Delara car. Correct. It could be anything interesting. So, Well, now we're out of time. So, Richard, you don't get a final thought for the night, but I'll give I you know. one st- just because I like you. Life there. Well, well, one final thought, Richard. One final
2: From the journalistic standpoint, um, see this week that the Autosport magazine is ceasing uh, publication in the print format. It's a great shame, really. Uh, you know, as a kid growing up, that was always sort of, um, you know, essential reading for me. Anyway, um, so yeah, it's a shame that that's going. Um, but uh, you know, we're all going to the digital age these days, and uh, yeah, we're uh, we're looking at uh, you know the internet and tablets and uh, iPhones for our news. So uh, yeah, it's a shame to see that go off the shelves.
1: Certainly, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I gosh, I grew up. I've got boxes of old Auto Week magazines in my house. So, Um, anyway, we are out of time. So, Richard, Seth, I want to thank you guys. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio, Spreaker, YouTube Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all those other folks that host us. And I want to thank all you folks that uh, take the time to listen to us week in and week out. Um, Until next week. Good night
0: w-h-o-o-b-a-z-o-o-ca-z-lizzo.com your
1: website enter website enter website enter website enter website